Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You could do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. I am Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm serving as the interim site pastor here at UBC Edgewater. I am so excited to welcome some special guests up here. Uh, Colin McDonald, our children's minister, is going to be coming up here, along with Sandeep and Sunita are coming up here as well. I don't know where they are. Oh, and uh, Jalen is coming up, and I want you to welcome them up uh, with some applause with me, please. This morning is a special morning where we're learning from some of our uh, younger disciples about what it means to be a friend and what a friend we have in Jesus. So welcome. Hello. Well, Jalen, Sandeep, have a seat. Uh, Yeah, so this is, we're thinking about friendship, and there's so much uh, that we're celebrating today. We're not only celebrating together in this service, but afterwards we have our um, special baby shower as we as we welcome Lou. Come on up, yeah, great. We've, this is and anybody else who wants to come up, really, this is we have some brave participants here, um, but every everyone is welcome. And I I just wanted to start by just showing this drawing that uh, one of our young people at UBC Kids made. Can you see this drawing of all these stars? We've been talking recently about the story in Genesis of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham looking up at all of the stars in the sky. And God trying to uh, assure Abraham that the blessings in his life are more than those stars that he cannot even count in the sky. And so today we're thinking about all of the blessings and challenges of friendship. And as I thought about my own adult life, I thought, boy, I don't even spend a lot of time thinking about friendship sometimes in my adult life. But I think that some of our young friends probably do, right? That that daily encounter of meeting peers your age and being in school or being in other activities with other kids and having to make friends or get along with new people, there's a lot there. So we are so fortunate to have them up here today. And can we just get another uh, thank you applause for them being up here with us? And to Luke. So, and maybe we can just do really quickly, because it's weird being on stage with a microphone. It's just weird. So I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. So my name's Colin. And Sandeep, would you introduce yourself? Maybe introduce yourself, just say your name, and what's the most um, interesting thing you've done this summer so far? Hello, my name's Sandeep, and the most interesting thing I did this summer was go to Bayshorin. Um, my name's Jalen. <laughs> Maybe camp. Camp was pretty cool. I, I did a circus camp. Yeah, camp was cool. Yeah. 
I got to come up with a question about circus camp. My goodness. And we have Luke up here too. Hi, Luke. <laughs> Luke, I'll give you the mic whenever you're ready for it. So my first question to you both is, uh, tell us a story about one of your closest friends and how you met that person. So who, who has a story about that that they're ready to go? You, you ready, Sandy? If you look ready. My, my best friend is Tom, and I met with him in kindergarten. Now, see, I have a similar story because my, my school is like K through 8th, so I met everyone in kindergarten. So it's kind of like, how do you think back to kindergarten when it's like, hi, my name is Jalen. Can you be my friend? Like, I need a friend. <laughs> I don't know anyone. Like, so I guess that's probably the way I met them. Now, see, you wouldn't say that because that's really weird. <laughs> and they would walk away. <laughs> but maybe along that line. I mean, hi is definitely acceptable. Yeah, hi. So simple, hello, hello. Okay, I can practice that at home. Well, let me see. What, what do you like about your friends? Not just maybe your best friend, but all your friends. What do you like about your friends? And what do you think they like about you? So what are qualities you look for in other friends? And what do you think are your qualities, things about you that other people like? Um, I like my friend Tom because he's nice, and I think he likes me because I share with him. And so that's an interesting question because there's more to friendship than just, like, yeah, we do things together. It's also being there for them, which I know that's what I look for in a friend, is if I'm having a bad day, I want to have someone there with me. And if they're having a bad day, I would hope that I, was, I would notice that and be there with them. So I guess that's a big thing. That and just like weird, awkward quirkiness, like that, that's really fun. And it can really brighten your day. So yeah. So there are unexpected things about each other that we don't maybe count on enjoying, but that we do enjoy. Yeah, and you're so right, Jalen. Just being with people can be such a gift, too. Even maybe sometimes when we don't feel like being, being there, right? Yeah. Have you ever, and I had to think about this myself, have you ever been friends with someone, or are you now friends with someone, who is very different than you? So someone maybe you didn't think you had anything in common with. Has that ever happened to you? No. <laughs> That's a great answer. So I have this one friend, and he's like as pessimistic as they can get, right? And I'm like this like really cheerful, cheerful person. I'm like big optimist. I mean, he's the type of person that's like, 
optimists. They're the scum of the earth. And somehow, somehow, we're friends. Because that makes sense. You balance each other out, yin and yang. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I think I, I have one more question for you, uh, for you both. But it's really a two-part question. So I'm tricking. Uh, what do you do, all of us, at some point, both as, as children, teens, adults, have times in our life when we feel lonely? Maybe times just in every day that we feel lonely. What do you do when you feel lonely? And what do you do when you see someone else who is lonely? Or you, you think that you're seeing someone who is lonely? How do you respond? When I'm lonely, I try to find a friend. And when someone else is lonely, I try to make friends with them. I have a very similar answer to that, but I'm not just going to say ditto because I'm not going to steal his answer. So I would say if I'm lonely, I would just text as many people as I can and see who responds. Um, if I see someone else who is lonely, I would probably like get a big group of people and then go over because it's better to be in a big group of people when you're like, like being alone than one or two people. Because then you see like this other big group of people who are having so much fun together. And then it's just like this small little group and it's like, why can't we be with them? So, big groups, big groups. That's a beautiful answer, big groups, big groups. That, that is helpful for so many reasons. We have a big group here don't we? It's, it feels good to be together every Sunday and even when we're not here on Sundays to think about this group of people that we, that we have to count on through the week. So I've learned quite a bit. I hope you have too. One thing that's evident to me is the use of technology that you know, these young people have available to them. I couldn't, when I was your age, I couldn't just, I mean, I could have you know, knocked on many doors, but that, as you say, would have been weird. So I have this advantage of text to get things done. It's much more efficient. Thank you, Sandeep and Jalen and everybody. And you two can go back to your seats. And I do just, we'll be back up again. I do just want to mention that if uh, child care is helpful today, there is child care available still in back. Thanks, Colin. We are such a diverse community. Um, some of us have made friends with people different from us, and some of us have not. <laughs> um, but it's also really hard to make friends, which is why uh, we've been doing this sermon series on friendship, what it means to put ourselves out there, to share of ourselves with others. And I'm so grateful to some of our youngest folks who came and shared of themselves with us today. We read the story of... Saul and David and Jonathan. And this is a really important story that we don't often, it doesn't often get a lot of coverage in uh, our sermons on Sundays. But it is a passage that has maybe meant a lot to some of you because there are a lot of queer the uh, theology scholars out there who love this passage because they say it represents the love between two people of the same gender a love so deep that it could also be 
a romantic relationship, if you wanted to interpret it that way. And so uh, it's important for us to talk about this story uh, because David and Jonathan are two people, sometimes we call them friends, but some uh, queer theologians call them lovers or partners because uh, upon hearing about Jonathan's death in battle, David, who is then to become the king, tears his clothes and he recites this moving poem, basically, where he says in 2 Samuel, Jonathan lies slain upon your high place, O God. I am distressed for you, my dear Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love was more wonderful, passing the love of women. So, so yeah, there's some good evidence that David and Jonathan, the son of Saul, were not just friends, but lovers, life companions. And our sermon series, while it is on friendship, We've included this story of Jonathan and David, uh, because, not because queer relationships are just friends. Um, maybe you, you might have come from a home that refuses to acknowledge your partner and calls them simply friend. And that's not what we're talking about in this sermon series and not why we've chosen to include this story. Instead, it's much like the story of Ruth and Naomi, which we talked about last week, which, spoiler alert, some queer theologians also believe is a story of love and companionship and romance between two women. And so we've included this story of two men's love for each other because it's important for us to see same gender loving relationships, but it's also a way for us to tear away at the toxic masculinity, which do you know what toxic masculinity is? It's if like the messages of, in our brains and in our bodies that tell us that masculine, macho, machismo is the way to go. So we're trying to tear away some of that. We're also trying to tear away and tear at some of the heteronormativity. Do you know what heteronormativity is? It's a long word that simply means that hetero relationships, uh, relationships between two people of different genders are what is normal. And so we're saying, ah, get rid of that. We want to talk about what it means to be in loving relationship with all kinds of people. So it means we have to come to the text with a little bit of creativity and queerness as we read it. So Jonathan had every right to hate David, to be jealous of David, because Jonathan was the next in line. He was going to inherit the throne after his father Saul, the anointed king of Israel. And instead, in this passage, we see Jonathan sees David. And much like Anne of Green Gables, he says, that is a kindred spirit. Have you ever met someone and initially thought, ugh, that person is so annoying, only later to find out that you are the exact same person and then they become your best friend and you're like, oh, I'm pretty petty. <laughs> oh, yes, I've done that. Eight of them stood next to me at my wedding. Because there's something when you see someone who is similar to you, someone you admire, with something that is to be desired, something that is to be loved, something so similar to you. So David, this boy, man, child, he was probably around 12 to 21. We don't really know, which is a large gap. David has just returned from slaying this giant of a man, Goliath. And he carries the dead Philistine's head in his hands. 
And he comes before the king, and the king says, who is your father? Which is just kind of a shady way of asking, who do you belong to? Why have I never heard of you? And so David answers, I am the son of Jesse, which is just another kind of shady way of saying, you better know me because you haven't heard of me yet, but you're going to hear about me later. So whether David's talking out of arrogance or stupidity or showmanship, whatever, David is so magnetizing to Jonathan. He's sitting next to his father, the king, but he feels so connected to this young person. In fact, Jonathan recognizes this kindred spirit, this potential friend, and he does this heart-binding thing. This is the heart-binding that we read about, that God binds our hearts to God. The heart-binding kind of thing that we hear about that happens in a committed, covenanted, covenanted relationship. This is the kind of heart-binding that Jonathan and David feel for one another. And so Jonathan, in front of everyone, the whole court, you can picture them surrounded. He does this symbolic gesture. He strips himself of his robe, his armor, and his weapons, and he places it all on David. And this is not just a foreshadowing of that David will soon become the king and Jonathan himself will not, but it is also tells us something about Jonathan the man. Jonathan is willing to be vulnerable before others, exposing his emotions, showing his desire for friendship and his willingness to give up of himself for another person. Jonathan is willing to be vulnerable and this vulnerability on behalf of another is a powerful form of friendship. And so Jonathan, the text says, literally hands over everything he has, armor, weapons, exposing himself to all the dangers and trusting that his companion will care for him. When we make ourselves vulnerable to another person, we are not showing our weaknesses by handing over weapons and power. But instead, we are inviting people into deeper relationship and trusting that they can care for our pains and our joys and sit with us in times of need and loneliness and distress, much like Jalen and Sandeep were talking about this morning. The act of giving over to someone is actually a huge risk but it's a huge risk with such a great reward. The exposure of opening up one's heart and home and soul allows for others to embrace. Because the act of resting in another person's presence cannot happen if we are closed off to the world, hiding and pulling in tight. But the act of resting in another's presence can only happen when we stretch ourselves out wide, maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable, exposing our most vulnerable flanks of our body and bones in order to wrap our arms around someone else to be brought in and to bring others in into a comforting and trusting relationship. And so our sermon series has been on friendship, and this week we're talking about the power and the terrifying ability of vulnerability. Being open about our imperfections and our flaws, being honest about our struggles and our suffering and our addiction and our grief in order to find our hearts knitted with another, this is the power of vulnerability. 
the exposure of one's soul to another. And it is, it's a hazardous endeavor. Strap in, because this is a rough ride. The exposure of one's self and their soul to another is a hazardous endeavor. And when we're honest about our feelings and our situations with a friend, we jeopardize our own safety, allowing possibly ridicule or rejection or pain. And when we share of ourselves with one another, we also, when we're honest about our feelings and our situations with a friend, we also venture into acceptance and solidarity and rest from the loneliness. This is what Jonathan does with and for David. He sets aside tools of violence, representations of power, the things that try and tear human beings apart. Instead, Jonathan shares of himself for the sake of another, even insisting, here, here are these tools of violence. Here are these protections that I surround myself with. Here are these symbols of power. These things that try and separate us no longer Will they do so because I'm including you, I'm sharing with you, I'm opening up of myself and welcoming you into embrace. This is, friends, what God does for us. God, in the form of Jesus, hangs on a cross exposing the flesh to elements of torture and death for the sake of healing relationship for creation. And God, in the form of Jesus, kisses others, a form of embrace, and welcomes death for the sake of a friend, even a friend who will do him wrong. So making ourselves vulnerable to friendship and being courageous, I hate to tell you, but it often means you have to be a leader. And the sign of this courageous person is the person who looks around the room and says, well, I guess I'll go first. Not in the sense of like rushing towards getting things over with, but in the sense of if I go first and share out of my vulnerability and open up of myself, others will feel comfortable to do the same. And so a leader, a courageous Christian says, well, I guess I'll share first. Recognizing that in order to be willing to share and risk vulnerability and friendship, you allow yourself to meet others with compassion. Others can come to you or you can come to others and say, well, me too. And that does suck. So we are unafraid to go first with our vulnerability and with our love because it is God who first loved us. Will you pray with me? God, just as our youngest disciples are vulnerable with our community, sharing of their stories and their lives, of how they make friends, how they come out of times of trauma and loneliness, God, we share of ourselves with you and with one another. Help us to be continually courageous, opening up of ourselves, setting aside the things that tried to hold us apart, set us apart, and allow ourselves to share and to honor others as friends. Because you, God, did this first for us. And so we offer ourselves and this time to you. It's in Jesus' name, our brother and friend, that we pray. Amen.